cares. Now let's pray again before we uh, look at this uh, sticky issue of money. Father, thank you that you are the giver of all good things. That includes every penny, pound that we have. Father, help us to listen to your word. Please, by your spirit, uh, would you move in us. Father, where you have to, um, please uh, rebuke us. Father, please encourage us. Please help us to see the glory of the gospel and for that uh, to be our driving passion in all that we are, in all that we do. And in every way, we handle your gift of money. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, over to you to begin with. What is, well, I'm going to ask the question, what does the Bible teach us about money? Uh, I want you to, uh, to dive in just with the people around you. What does the world tell us about money? There's the broad question to kick off with. What does the world tell us about money. Go wherever your thoughts may take you. Let's just dive in for a few moments chatting. Great, I'm sure your conversation um, went in many different ways, but let's try and sum it up. What does the world tell us uh, about money? Here's some famous lines uh, that uh, perhaps some of you have heard. Show me the money. Where's that from? Oh, come on, Hells. Yeah, a bit louder. Jerry Maguire, great movie, great movie. Uh, okay, even more so then perhaps, John. Money, money, money must be funny in a rich man's world. Where's that from? Was that you, John, showing your age? Um, I need a dollar. A dollar is what I need. Oh, thank you. I didn't, I didn't even know who that was from, so uh, thank you. Uh, and hey, this is really for the golden oldies. Um, you get your money for nothing... And your, your chicks for free? <laughs> Dire straits, Clive, thank you very much. What does the world say money does? What does it bring? Can we say broadly that the world says money leads to happiness? The more money you have, the happier you are. Well, if that is what the world says, I wonder how you're feeling at the start of this talk. A little bit squirmish. What does the Bible have to say about money? Do you feel uncomfortable? Nonplussed? Haven't really thought about it? You have thought about it and you think that you're living a life where you're handling the gift of money in a good way. We talk about God having control over all things. Well, let me ask you this question. How much control does God have over our bank accounts. And I want to recognise at the beginning of this talk that we're all in different places. Some of us have a surplus of money. I've got to be careful who I look at when I say things like this. Some of us will be on a tight budget and others of us in the room will be in debt, perhaps great debt. Some will have a generous nature. Some will be more shrewd, others tight. We often measure our status through money. It can lead to pride as we compare salaries. It can lead to inferiority as we compare 
ourselves to others. So I invite you to let God speak from his word and see what he has to say about money. We're going to be in 1 Timothy 6, the reading uh, that we heard for the majority of time. But let's frame this with some intro comments. What is money? What is it? Well, John Piper, in his really helpful book, uh, Living in the Light of Money, Sex, Power, I was going to hold it up um, because it's been super helpful for me uh, as I've been looking into this. John Piper says this, it's a cultural symbol to pursue what we value. It's a cultural symbol to pursue what we value. You see, here's our starting premise today, that you and I were made... Whether you believe this or not, this is what the Bible teaches, that you and I were made for the glory of God. You were made for his pleasure, for his will. He has created you uniquely and you're meant to enjoy him. That's why you are created. You're meant to enjoy him and every good gift that he's given you. You're made to look, you're made to make God look like the great God he is. And you're made to cherish him and every gift that he gives you. So let's start on a positive note with money. We must. The currency of money in and of itself is a good gift in which we can use to either glorify God or we can use for evil as with any good gift that God gives us so think about your money the paper version real it's not monopoly coins think about your money plastic Tesco club card credit card your bank statements They're not yours. See, the Bible says that they're gifts from God and you're called to be stewards of those gifts. They're not mine. They're God's. And I need to be reminded regularly that any kind of money that I have that's called mine, that's due to me, that's in my account, it's ultimately not mine. It's God's it's his, and he's given it to me to be a good steward of it. It's not for my gain, but it can be used to show me what I value. If I value him above all things and therefore enjoy him deeply, what is money? It's a cultural symbol to pursue what we value. A cultural symbol to pursue what we value. So we buy things. We buy things that we value. Food. Coffee, perhaps. Car. A house. A haircut. Panini football stickers. In my case, for my son, of course, uh, not for myself over the World Cup, but it is great fun. We buy things that we value. And we save money to help you hold on to the things that you value. 
perhaps a child's education, a deposit to buy a house, a holiday this summer, a, a saving account for a rainy day. And we give it away to some cause that we value. We buy things that we value. We save it. Help us to hold on to what we value. And we can give it away to some cause that we value. A school fate here yesterday. A Christian charity. Perhaps you've helped out with the Syrian families that are moving into Bista. We've been asked to, to help spend our money to buy things. Uh, to equip that house. And I know that a lot of you in the room, you give a proportion of your money to town church Bister. Thank you. Thank you. We're called to use money wisely and we give it away to the cause that we value. Thank you for giving money to town church Bister. We're hoping to appoint a part-time paid elder from September. We can only do that with the money that the people of town church give. So thank you. You see, the currency is not the issue. How much or how little we have. There are far more deeper things going on. A cultural symbol that we use to show what we really value. A means that shows us what we treasure. What we hold really dear to ourselves. What we hold valuable. Perhaps in who our treasure lies. Think of those stories. The woman who bought her alabaster jar of perfume to Jesus, poured it on his feet, realizing that her sins had been forgiven. She gave much to show where her treasure lay. Or like the widow who put two copper coins into the collection, collection bowl at the temple. Jesus says they all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all she had to live on. See, this isn't about the amount of money you have. It's about the act, like the widow, treasured Jesus, treasured a relationship with God, I guess, above all things. So the use of our money can be used as an act of worship. Shows us what we treasure. Remember Romans 12 verses 1 and 2 last week if you were here? Paul helped us understand. Remember the appeal in view of God's mercy. Offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. Your spiritual act of worship, your use of money, the money that comes into your account, can be used to worship Him. And if you're a Christian... You know that the root of that relationship now with God through Jesus, you know that that is your treasure above all things. You know it is. And if it is not, I suggest you're not a Christian here this afternoon. But if you are a Christian, you treasure your relationship with God above all things. And you know the battle is intense fights against that deep desire and battle we will and battle we must with the help of the spirit working in us and perhaps there is no greater battle for you at this moment in time as to how you use your money for the glory of God or not money can be 
dangerous. Jesus goes on to talk about this. Truly I tell you, it is hard for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. In another place, he says, the seed falling among the the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. See, money can be dangerous. Why? Because it can quickly lure us away. It can consume our thinking. Having too much of it or not enough. And we can easily be deceived by it. And that's the context that Paul is writing to Timothy about. Timothy, a church leader in Ephesus. He's trying to help Timothy practically. Helping leading a church that pursues living for Jesus Christ amidst certain issues. And here's one of the issues. So stop for a moment. For what you've heard thus far, before we dive into Timothy and have a little look at how Paul instructs Timothy. What have you heard so far that perhaps has been an encouragement? That perhaps has been a rebuke? That perhaps has been a, a little push into realigning your thinking again of money? Or perhaps has been something quite new for you? Or something old that's been a good reminder, or perhaps nothing new at all. Um, Why don't you spend a couple of minutes, just a little break, before we go on to the second part. What have you heard so far that has either rebuked, pushed you, encouraged you, or perhaps you've not heard anything new? Go for another couple of minutes. Let's talk. Okay. Okay, let's go on. Uh, Second part uh, of the talk. We're going to be in 1 Timothy chapter 6. The part that was read to us, we've said that this world loves money. We're encouraged to pursue it. Uh, We're told, taught, perhaps not directly, um, but certainly indirectly, we're taught and told that money ultimately brings us happiness. And then perhaps to help us feel better, um, society talks a little bit like this. Have a look at the quotes. Money doesn't bring happiness, but it sure helps. You know the kind of, um, hey, we're not going for it. We're not telling you that, that, that money is everything, that the pursuit of money brings happiness. But, but really, this is what we're saying. Now, what about this quote? Money will not bring you happiness, but I'd rather cry in a Mercedes than on a bus. That's kind of where we are as society, isn't it? We don't want to be blatant about this, but ultimately... We're saying that money brings us all that we need. And this is the final one from the Minions. Whoever thinks money doesn't bring happiness, transfer it over to my account. (laughs) See, what do we do with money? We make jest of it. We make light of it. But here's Paul's charge to Timothy. Be careful. Look at the end of verse 5. He's talking about people within the church. Look what happens. There's constant friction between people of corrupt mind. What are they doing? They've been robbed of the truth and they think that godliness is a means to financial gain. Financial gain is the end result. So the people are saying, however I get there by following right ritual religion, 
I get to financial gain. And Paul drives home to Timothy. Where does the love of money lead us? Three things I want to pull out and then to try and apply it to us today. Where does the love of money lead us? Look at verse 7. Paul says, in the end, it will fail us. Verse 7, for we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. You see, if we put all our hope in money, you see how it will always fail us in the end. At that point when people need it the most to save them, if their hope and reliance, and if their saviour is in money, perhaps to extend their life, look what will happen. It will fail them. Paul is quick to remind Timothy, you brought nothing into the world. Timothy, don't be deceived. You can take nothing out of it. Your bank account will not follow you to the grave. In the end, it will fail us. Does that challenge your view of your current financial status? Of course, Paul isn't encouraging Timothy to be flippant uh, with any money that he has. What does that do for us in our thinking? We brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. You see, where does the love of money lead us? If that's the struggle, if that's what a uh, 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 contest in these verses, Paul is seven, uh, saying in verse 7, in the end it will fail us. Look secondly at what he's saying, verse 9. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. If our desire is to get rich, what will happen? It will trap us in this life. How does money tempt you? Great quote from the American billionaire Rockefeller. Considering he was a billionaire in the 1900s, when a reporter asked him, how much money is enough? You know it. You know his response. He said, just a little bit more. You see how money can consume? If our value is in riches, it will never, ever satisfy. It will consume our thinking and see what Paul says to Timothy. Look, it leads to ruin and destruction. Not happiness, as the modern man, woman thinks. How is it trapping you? Is money trapping you? Is it plunging you into ruin and destruction? Paul says to Timothy, then in the end it will fail us and it will trap us in this life. And look at the third thing he says in verse 10. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Look, where does the, mon the love of money lead us? Verse 7, in the end it will fail us. Verse 9, it will trap us in this life. And verse 10 
it can stop us believing. It can stop us trusting in the Lord Jesus. Look how strong Paul is. If you love money, if you value it above all else, its lure, its pull is against where your deep treasure lies. It's the root of all kinds of evil. The love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Of course we can see that out there in the movies. Perhaps we can see that uh, in politics, in power plays of powerful men and women around this world. What about for ourselves? Can money really lead us to stop believing and trusting in the good news of Jesus? How? How can it? Well, I guess a desire for money will ultimately tempt me. Will tempt me into thinking that money can be my saviour. Doesn't it sound a little absurd? That's what's happening here in the church, in Ephesus. That it's money that wins the day. That it's money that saves. That it's money that can win happiness. And Paul says, that's so far from the truth. It pierces with all kinds of grief. Where does the love of money lead us? Verse 7, it says, in the end it will fail us. Verse 9, it will trap us in this life. And verse 10, it can actually stop us believing in the good news of Jesus. Well, what's the remedy? Well, you be aware that I missed out verse 6. See what Paul says, but godliness with contentment is great gain. See that a heart that is content with God is the only protection against money from luring us away, from taking me captive, from consuming my thinking, from being deceived as to the happiness it might give us. You see that a heart that is content with God a heart that is content with my financial situation, whatever that looks like today, rich or poor, surplus or in debt, a heart that is content with God. I wonder if your heart is content with God when it comes to your financial situation. Can we apply this? Perhaps in three ways. Maybe as you consider your bank account, how you use your money, the things that you value in buying or saving or giving away. Can I ask, can I ask you how God is glorified in that purchase or in where you give it away? Where are you in danger of pursuing your value elsewhere? Perhaps secondly, can I encourage can I encourage you to give, keep giving, keep giving to uh, those who are in need, keep giving to Christian charities where the gospel of grace goes to a broken world. Can I encourage you to keep giving to the local church? And we know that we're not under law. And the law said, 
that it was good for God's people to give 10% of all that they had back to him. We know that we're not under that law, but I wonder if that might be a good measure for you to give at least 10% of what you owe. It's just a really good gesture of saying, God, it's not mine, it's yours. So take it back and use for the furthering of your kingdom and the furthering of your glory. We don't have a collection plate uh, here at Town Church Bista, just a, a back code that you'll find on the website. If you think, as you consider uh, your giving, what will your giving look like in the future? And maybe to apply this in a third way, what about one of the values of Town Church, peop- uh, uh, Town Church Bista? We want to keep considering the people in Bista and beyond. The evangelist Rico Tice always gives the challenge, what does your calendar and checkbook look like when it comes to lost people? Checkbook a little out of date, perhaps diary and dosh is easier to remember. What do they look like? I used to have a financial advisor when I had one or two uh, pence to rub together and he always used to say this, he was just a friend, he wasn't a financial advisor. Lanks, you've got to always think about how your money can work for you. If you've got a financial advisor, they probably say similar. Well, how are you making your money work for the gospel, the furthering of the gospel, amongst family and friends who don't know Jesus? What does it look like to be generous? To take a friend out for a meal this week and say, it's on me. I just want to hang out. I just want to hang out. Just chill with you. It's a little like going for a few beers with a mate this week and saying, I'll take them, cover them. Small, perhaps. But it shows what you value. Not to be tight with the purse strings when it comes to gospel friendship, when it comes to gospel proclamation, when it comes to next Sunday. To say, oh, I'll give a hand. Any money that needs to be covered, any issue that needs to be covered for Sunday and other outreach events. What does that look like? You know the story Jesus tells. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Huge challenge for me. I asked Kerry today, what do you think we're like with our money? Where are we hoarding? Where are we finding value in what we have in our bank account? What are the challenges for us today when it comes to money? Where are we giving to the furthering of the gospel, the furthering of God's kingdom? What about for our friends and family that don't know Jesus? Are we putting our money on the thing that we value the most? The relationship that we now have with the holy God that we've been singing about because of the work of Jesus Christ? I think it's a huge challenge for us. It's a huge challenge for me. Dare say it's a huge challenge for you and for us here at Town Church Bista. And our prayer is that our money and the use of it 
would really show us clearly exactly what we value. So let me pray. And then we're going to sing uh, a song. We'll remain seated to sing the song because it, it's a song of confession. I was speaking to Chris. Uh, I think it fits brilliantly because when it comes to money, uh, I so very easily slip into sin. I slip into treasuring uh, my bank account far more than I do the Lord Jesus very often. Uh, and so it's uh, an opportunity for me off the back of uh, a talk to say sorry to the Lord Jesus. Perhaps you need to too. So let me, um, let me pray and then we'll sing together. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for this advice from Paul to Timothy. As there seems to be men and women within the church who see financial gain uh, as a means to godliness. Whether there are men and women who, eager for money, eager in what money brings, have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Father God, we're sorry for when money, a good gift from you, becomes our treasure, becomes the thing that we value the most. Father, please, this time and in the song, please convict us of times where we haven't got this right. And please let that conviction move to action. Action where our money, our account, bank account, would really show us what we truly value. We'd be generous, we'd be wise, we'd be good at handling your good gift. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.